Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. And welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. And today I have on my friend, Stacey St. John. If anybody was at Level Up Your Listing Summit last year, you would recognize her from the stage. You are our, I think, our very first speaker. I think you opened the entire conference talking about remote hosting. You were the perfect way to kick off the weekend or the week, I guess. And I'm so excited to talk to you today, Stacey. And this is just in time for your short-term rental virtual summit for women. So before we get into today's episode, can you promote that very quickly and tell our audience why they need to buy a ticket to the virtual summit? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me on here. It is such a pleasure and your podcast is freaking amazing. So I am honored to be with you. Yeah. So we have this most amazing three days filled of full of speakers like yourself, um, but more than 50 women who are taking the stage and teaching workshops, classes, all focused on helping women make 2024 their best year yet in the short-term rental industry. So super duper excited about that. Yeah, there's over 50 speakers and I think like 64 sessions, if I saw yeah. correctly. Yeah. That's um, all crazy. And you can still, you can watch the recordings for up to two weeks after that's included with your ticket, or you can buy permanent recordings to keep if you got it much to digest in three days. You got Um, it. Okay. Okay, cool. We will drop the link on how to purchase that in the show notes below. And if you guys buy your ticket by the 19th in two days, you'll actually get a hundred dollars off. I will be speaking on day two, the 24th with Sarah and Annette from Thanks for Visiting. And we'll be talking about how to get five-star reviews on your listing. So I cannot wait for that session. But anyway, that will be in the show notes below for the short-term rental virtual summit for women. Now, Stacy, back to you. Can you please introduce yourself? Tell us all the things you work on, how you found the world of short-term rentals, and just tell us about yourself. Sure, absolutely. So I'll start maybe with how I found the world of short-term rentals and go from there if that's cool. I entered the world of short-term rentals actually during COVID and prior to being in short-term rentals, I was investing in long-term rentals. I had a portfolio of long-term rental investments, got my real estate license in Ohio to help support my investing, was doing some flips. And when COVID hit, my husband and I were getting ready to buy another long-term rental. And there were all these eviction moratoriums popping up everywhere. And we both were scratching our heads thinking, as a landlord, we have no protection right now if our tenant doesn't pay the rent. So why not buy a short-term rental? Because our thought was at least people need to pay in order to get in the front door, right? That was why we chose to buy a short-term rental. So 
I'll give you the very abbreviated version, but we bought our first two short-term rentals at the same time. And right away, I was like, oh my gosh, I freaking love this. This is so fun. This is going to change my life. And it has. So it's, so I, I look back and if you would have asked me, you know, five years ago, would you be doing what you're doing today? I would say you're crazy, but somebody pinched me. It's super fun. Did you ever think of converting those original long-term rentals to short-term if there was a fear that people would stop paying or anything or just let that go and yeah, started? So it was a completely different asset class, if you will. So we were investing in C-class neighborhoods, a lot of the properties quite honestly, you probably wouldn't want in your short-term rental port. But, you know, we ended up divesting our long-term rental portfolio so that we could lean more heavily into the STR space. And again, it's something that I look back now and I'm like, okay, now that we have a large short-term rental portfolio, now I want to, I want to diversify more my portfolio uh, moving forward just to, again, protect us against risk. But so you offloaded, you don't have the long terms right now. Correct. Oh, wow. Correct. And now you're wanting to go back just to diversify. <laughs> well, you know, live and learn, live and learn. But <laughs> yeah. how did you, how did you and your husband know what to purchase when you decided to move into short-term rentals? Like you said, it was a different asset class. You didn't have experience buying that kind of real estate. What, what did you look for at the time? Well, at the time, we had a dream of buying a property at the beach. I absolutely love the beach. It is where I uh, feel like I'm best at home. And we were actively looking. I spent about six months really just educating myself on short-term rentals and how to select a market and how to analyze a market. And we had done some extensive research. We had it down to two different markets, Myrtle Beach and Destin, Florida. And in Destin, with my budget of $100,000, my view was looking at a pond. And in Myrtle Beach at the time, I could be oceanfront for less than $100,000. For under $100,000, you have oceanfront property. Oh, yeah, girl. Yeah. What are the prices in Myrtle Beach today? Did we all miss the boat on this? <sighs> we totally missed the boat. I said, I've said so many times, if I would have known what the real estate market was going to do, I would have snatched up every condo known the to entire me. entire line. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I was buying oceanfront condos for... $77,000, $79,000. Yeah. Oh my God. What are those worth today? Today there, it depends, but anywhere from 180 to 220. Okay. Okay. Still not bad. Still Gosh, affordable. Compared to yep. Some prices out there. Okay. Yeah. That's still great. Affordable. So it's still an affordable beach market. Oh yeah. For okay. sure. For sure. Okay. And how's the regulation there? Well, along the ocean front, it's totally fine. I mean, the whole economy of Myrtle Beach is based on tourism. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the oceanfront is made up of what is called condo tells. And so what that is, is it's a hybrid condo slash hotel. Some mm -hmm. people rent a unit through the hotel. They go in and check in through the front desk, whereas our guests will just go straight up to the unit itself. So as long as you're on the ocean front, I'm generally speaking, uh, you are totally fine. 
And in certain pockets, once you even get across the street from the ocean, it is not zoned for short-term rentals. So you really have to be mindful of the neighborhood that you're purchasing in. And Myrtle Beach is great because they have an interactive zoning map. So it's really easy to see where those pockets are. But again, by and large, if you're buying oceanfront, you're totally fine. How often, I know you said you wanted to buy at the beach because you love the beach. How often do you stay at your property? Because I will tell you, when we bought our place in Big Bear, I thought we're going to use this all the time. And now it's like, oh, if I stay there, that is 300 a night that uh -huh. I don't make anymore. Yeah. And it's just not as appealing. So do you actually go to your places? Yes, okay. I do. I usually am in Myrtle Beach once a month. Because I not only want to have, you know, huddles with my team, I like to personally get my eyes on the properties and I still love to look at the ocean. And so <laughs> it's something that, you know, I think, gosh, I'm getting uh, a tax-free trip to the beach to check on my properties. Oh, darn. I guess I'll have to do it. Bummer. <laughs> You like rotate which ones you stay at when you go. Okay. Yeah. So you're keeping yeah. eyes on all of them. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So you purchased, give us like kind of a breakdown. You were living in Ohio and operating the long-term rentals there. And then you purchased one condo at a time, or did you guys just go in two? We purchased two at the I same time. Okay. We flew down to buy one condo and we had such a hard time deciding between the top two ones that we liked. We're like, let's just buy both. <laughs> so we did. And the other thing to think about is we love to buy ugly properties and fix them up. Mm -hmm. So when I say, you know, I was buying properties for 77,000, they were really ugly, like mm -hmm. really ugly. But what was cool was we got to force appreciation with, you know, being able to rehab them and create unique spaces that looked very different than the rest of the Myrtle Beach market. And so that's really, I think, one of the niches that I have in Myrtle Beach is my properties all have a consistent experience when you look at the aesthetic. They're all unique, but they all have um, kind of an overarching aesthetic that is consistent. And that is, that's my favorite strategy as well. When things are like, the worst is when it's like that middle tier where it's like, it's not ugly enough to rip it out, but it's not cute <laughs> enough to what I want. And then yeah. I feel guilty and I'm like stuck with something I don't love. I agree with you. I just want like an ugly property that it's like everything has to go and we just mm -hmm. make it our own. Oh yeah. Um, and that forced appreciation. So how much money did you put into those condos? Oh golly. My first two, I mean, we rehabbed that for we, you know, again, they're small. So studios and one bedrooms, we probably spent 5,000 on a studio and 10,000 on our one bedroom. Oh, and oh okay. no, no, because again, think about the fact that we're buying in, in condo resorts. So we're just looking at the inside of four walls. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times we would go in and do paint and flooring. Now, you know, I've done several where we're we're gutting the kitchens and the bathrooms and those obviously are, are heftier price tags. But for the first two, we did basic cosmetic updates and refurnish them. And, you know, I actually sold those two properties. My first two doubled my money on both of them and bought a condo that I will retire in, in Myrtle beach. So we bought our dream retirement condo and 
we had to pay no money out of pocket because I did a 1031 exchange for both of them. And that property pays for itself. So I think about those first two little teeny 77 and $90,000 properties bought me my retirement condo. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I had no idea that our like story actually has a lot in common. Um, same here. We do condos as well. And I remember having a lot of, I'm in the big bear market, ski resort town. And I remember being so self-conscious of like, who's going to book this? Like people want an A-frame when they come. They want like this true cabin experience. But it was just kind of my comfort level was not having to deal with like the snow plowing or managing the hot tub or anything like the complex takes care of all of that. And it was the same thing. It was like as a beginner investor, just only having to worry about the interior of these little condos. That was like my safety net, you know, and it's a lakefront complex. So we purchased for under 200,000 when all the comps, all the standalone cabins were going for 800,000. And so condos, I know a lot of people on social media will tell you avoid condos or HOAs at all costs as an investor. And I've just never, never bought into that. No. And I think you, you need to be mindful of what you are buying, right? Mm -hmm. So make sure that your offer is contingent on review of the HOA bylaws and the master deed and, and all the things I would absolutely ask for meeting minutes from previous HOA meetings. Unfortunately, I've heard, and one of my property management clients has had just an absolute horrible time with a a mismanaged HOA. And had she known, obviously, she probably would have never bought in that building. But, you know, the other thing to be mindful of is in your market and in mine, both of the condo buildings, I'm assuming, I'm making some assumptions about your building, but they are buildings that are intended to be short-term rentals. They are intended to be places where people come and enjoy a vacation. So it's not what I would call your traditional condo, shall we say? Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. The, the makeup of our complex, there's 50 units total. And I would say 25 are operating as short-term rentals, Mm -hmm. probably another 10 to 15 are like just second homes that sit vacant if they're not there. And then if the owners aren't there and then the remainder are long-term rentals. So I think we felt very confident, like there would always be enough votes, like half the owners are STR operators. So yeah, that was definitely a comforting thing to see. (laughs) For sure. One thing I am absolutely craving for 2024 is simplicity, but we all know that the setup process for a new short-term rental is anything but simple. That is why I'm so excited to tell you about HostGPO. By shopping with HostGPO, you can save up to 75% on furniture, decor, linens, amenities, and supplies, and they only work with a few select brands that are tried and tested to stand up to the wear and tear of guests. With HostGPO, there is no overwhelm of comparing hundreds of brands, variations, and product reviews. You just shop for what you need and rest assured that you are getting the best quality at the best price. Over 300,000 properties are already purchasing through HostGPO, and as the pool of customers grows, so do the discounts that HostGPO can negotiate for us hosts. By signing up through my link in the show notes below, you'll get an exclusive three months of free access to start shopping on HostGPO today. Thank you so much to HostGPO for sponsoring the show and for making it so simple to set up and restock our STRs. Once you guys renovated the condos and then you went back to Ohio, how did you start hosting these remotely? 
with no STR experience. You had only done long-term rentals. Well, this is a story. So I was debating at the time how I wanted to approach management of the condos. And when we were packing our bags and, and coming home, we signed with a property manager. And so we hired a property manager. We were completely hands-free. Was this one through the condo tell? I know sometimes they provide on-site management. We did not go with on-site. So okay. they did offer on-site management, but we chose to engage a third party. And what I very quickly realized was the level of expectation of cleanliness and care to my property and transparency with my owner statements. The, the expectation that I had and the service that was actually being provided was very different. <laughs> and so we had several meetings with that property manager and she would constantly tell me during my meetings when I would say, hey, you know, and again, I had done a lot of education just internally myself and I knew what should be happening, right? And every time I would have a discussion with her saying, hey, you know, when I come into my condo, I really feel like somebody needs to be checking the cleaning because I just walked in and my beautiful area rug is curled up in a ball in the closet, right? I just opened my drawers and there's a dirty Band-Aid in the dresser drawer. Like, who is checking this? Well, Stacey, you know, I'm sorry, but that's just impossible. Like, we, we don't have time to check the cleaning. You know, the cleaning team's just do that themselves. Okay. Well, you know, that's not quite acceptable. So what can we do? So long story short, we both realized very quickly that we were not a good fit because I was expecting something that they couldn't deliver. So we had this mutual parting of the ways and- I'm sorry, can I ask really yeah. quick, were they only managing like the cleanings and like the turnovers? Who was doing like listing optimization, pricing? They were, they were doing everything. They everything. Okay, got it. They were doing everything. And so we decided that it would probably be best if we part ways. And I was in a position where I'm like, okay, I'm working full time. I have a very busy corporate job. I need help right? And so I hired a co-host to help me on the front end. And we shared responsibilities where the, my co-host, who is still with me today as a member of my team, she would take care of all the listing optimization, all the, you know, the pricing, answering guest inquiries. And I was the point person for the back end. So if there was an, you know, an issue with HVAC, she was calling me saying, hey, Stacey, we need to get an HVAC tech in. So that was the model that we operated within. And for a good year or so, and I was having people come to me saying, Stacey, and by this time, after about a year, then we had eight, we had bought a bunch more. Because again, I fell in love. And I'm like, this is so fun. <laughs> were any of these like, was this all Airbnb at the time? Were you on Verbo as well? Were we you on Verbo as well? Okay. Yep. Okay. So it's just the two OTAs. Got it. Yep. Yep. And so, and we had put together, we use owner res for our property management software. So okay. we had our properties on owner res and we had our own direct booking website from the start. So 
I started having people come to me saying, your properties are booked and mine are not. Will you manage my properties? And, you know, for, again, the longest time, I'm like, I, I, I don't even know how I would do that. I'm so busy. Again, I'm still working in corporate and my co-host had my properties, right? She had her own properties and other co-hosting clients. So we had a bandwidth challenge, right? So we had several discussions about potentially shifting her role. And after a, a few months, we ended up I hired a 24-7 concierge team, virtual assistants, who, again, we have a very much a team-based model. So today, they are the ones doing all of the guest communications, all of the, you know, triaging if there's an issue with a unit. My original co-host does all of my listing optimization and revenue management. I have for an everything or your listings only? for everything. Okay. So I've got about 40 properties that I manage and she, she does it for everything. I have, you know, again, an operations manager who also moonlights as a liaison for my owners and of course, cleaning teams and maintenance and inspectors. And so I spend my time removing roadblocks for the team or answering questions that, you know, need to be escalated up to me and talking with potential owners who we might serve in the future. So it's really cool because I have different team members that are each working in their genius zones. And that's really fun for me because it allows me to work in my genius zone. Okay, got it. And it sounds like you don't have anybody on as like a full-time employee. It's the concierge service for the guest communication. And then you've got your co-host that you pay a percentage. How are you splitting revenues? What's like the percentage split with that co-host? Because I know now you're a co-host to these other properties, but you're outsourcing some of those tasks to a co-host. So how are you guys splitting all of that? So she isn't really co-hosting for me anymore. She just does the revenue management. So okay. I will say I probably wouldn't want to give away her compensation model. Okay. Okay, sure. But, you know, again, her compensation is based on performance, right? And what I can say, the concierge team who are four virtual assistants who, again, share a 24-7 shift. They are each paid, they're an offshore team, right? So we have a flat fee basis for that model. They are not paid based on performance. And then my other contractors who are my operations manager or, you know, inspectors, they are paid on an hourly basis. Okay. And then in your setup, who communicates like with the cleaning team? That you know? uh, it's usually my operations manager. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got yep. it. And then things like, I guess I want to know like what comes to you? What comes to your desk? Like what, what are the few things that don't get filtered through? I'm assuming you are not ordering toilet paper or scheduling cleaners or firing cleaners. <laughs> so what comes to Stacy's desk? Oh, golly. Let's see. Usually what comes to my desk is if there is a problem guest that okay. needs, they need guidance on how I want to handle the, a situation, right? Okay. What came to my desk yesterday was actually my 
my dad was staying in one of my properties and one of, in one of the condo buildings, the security team entered my property overnight. <laughs> like, thinking oh it was my gosh. or did they think no, their dad was no, like, there's a like, big storm. There was a big storm in Myrtle Beach and we're still trying to get to the bottom of what actually occurred, but I will share with you that my dad and his wife woke up to a man in the living room. And so that came to my desk yesterday <laughs> where of course- Your dad booked through Airbnb. Is he going to leave a review? No, okay. he did not. And we joked about it yesterday. Like, oh, if this is going to happen to anybody, dad, I- I kind of glad it happened to you Uh, (laughs) though, but you know, like I, I called the head of security. I called the resort manager and dug into what actually occurred, documenting the situation. Obviously, how did they even have a key? Like this is your apartments. You own the condo. Yes. However, in some of the resorts in Myrtle Beach, they do not allow you to change the locks. And so you still have to use what you would consider like a hotel key card. And so the security has Um, access to all the units. And I do understand for fire, you know, if there's a security issue. So it was a really interesting situation and one that, again, I'm glad they tried to call you. Like, are you, are you the owner on this unit or is this a co-hosted one? Were there any missed calls? Were they trying to reach the owner before entering? Oh my God. Five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. No, no phone calls. Can you like wave your, get your HOA dues, like wave for that month or (laughs) something, some compensation? (laughs) Yeah. But that, you know, that came across my desk and it, it's honestly not because my dad reached out to me. One of my team members reached out to me and said, hey, isn't this your dad staying in this unit? Uh, I just want you to know that this is happening. You you know, we need to call security and, and find out what happened here. How, um, did your, how did your team get notified? Did they see like a log of who was using the key My card? dad messaged them. He didn't even tell you. He was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't tell me. He told oh, me. So funny. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Thank God it was him. I'm sorry. For I know. Out, but... Seriously though. Right. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. The fun okay. thing is we deal with, you know, and <laughs> so I look at myself as a professional problem solver, right. As the president and CEO of my real estate portfolio and property management business, I am the chief problem solver. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the biggest learning that I had early on I expected that everything was going to be just perfect all the time. And I would get stressed out when it wasn't, right? And it quickly dawned on me like, okay, Stacey, you can choose to be stressed out in this situation, or you can choose to just recognize that this is the lay of the land, right? In your role. Mm -hmm. And so I had to come to grips with that and be okay with that. And it wasn't easy early on. As the person who is more removed now, you've put yourself in that position. What kind of KPIs, I guess, are you giving your team to track? One example that comes to mind is like with us, if we get two four stars on cleanliness in a row, I'm talking to my cleaning team. Do you have like parameters like that in place with your operations where they know like at this point, this is how we are 
tracking quality. This is when these conversations need to happen. This is when we need to talk about letting a cleaner go. That way they're not asking you every time, but how, how are you empowering them? Yeah. So I would like to say that I'm the queen of trackers. I love me some trackers and spreadsheets. So what we actually track every review for okay. every property. And, and this is for your PMS? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, well, so we log it into a spreadsheet. So all of our reviews come into owner res, of course, but we are logging the review on every, and we have our spreadsheet broken out by property, right? So we can see at the property level, hey, this is a trend we're seeing. It could even be a five-star review and somebody saying, hey, just so you know, the water pressure sucks, you know? Okay. So even um, in private feedback, you're noting oh yeah. all of that. Okay. Oh yeah. So I review that on a regular basis. I also review on a regular basis how often we are replacing linens because that is a hard cost either to the business, to the owner, making sure that we are filing claims when you know we have a damage protection waiver on every reservation. And so I am still on message strings. So I see the communication. So you know, we, we use monday.com in our business. So I can go in and make sure that we're filing claims for everything, checking the status of claims. We have daily huddles with our team through our operations manager and our concierge team. So all open outstanding items for each property is logged and tracked. So I can go in and at a moment's notice, see what's happening, but yet someone else is moving that along. We also have a work order system that we utilize for our inspectors as well as for our maintenance team. So again, I can go in, see the results of any inspection. Our inspectors actually rate the cleaning for that particular cleaner. So again, we will log that and track that. And so I love, love, love having the ability to have my finger on the pulse of my business, even though the execution of the day-to-day -day is being handled by someone else. I have said so many times on this podcast that finding a good, reliable cleaner is the single most important thing you can do to ensure a successful STR business. And if anyone has ever dealt with a bad cleaner, you know I'm right about this. Turno is here to solve that problem for us hosts once and for all. With Turno's Cleaner Marketplace, you can find your dream cleaner and have access to a whole network of backup cleaners in case of emergency. Once you find your trusted cleaner, use the Turno app to manage and automate the entire cleaning process from auto scheduling that gets synced directly to your booking calendar, auto payments, photo checklists, problem reporting, and inventory management. Right now, Turno is offering No Vacancy listeners a $150 Amazon gift card just for trying out Turno's Cleaner Marketplace and completing one clean with them. Just use the link turno.com slash no vacancy to unlock that offer and stop settling for cleaning quality that you're unhappy with. Again, that is turno.com slash no vacancy to find your dream cleaner and snag that bonus $150 Amazon gift card. Is it difficult for you in any way to like, was it hard to step back at all? I, I know some personalities, it's like they want to micromanage and be involved. And for some, it's just like the sooner they can pass it off, the better. Where, what does yeah. I learned early on in the corporate world, I went through management training and there was something that I learned 
the phrase delegate to elevate. And so I love that. I really have, I really have had that approach the whole time where my genius zone is not tracking inventory of pillowcases. Okay. There are other people that are amazing at that, Mm -hmm. but my genius zone is really simplifying complex situations, writing process, writing policy, empowering people, but yet holding them accountable. I'm good at sales conversations and, and having discussions and sharing the value that we bring to owners who are looking for management. So I very much subscribe to operate in your genius zone. You are a happier person. You are a more productive person. And there are so many people who have strengths that I don't have. Mm -hmm. I want to empower those people to help me in my business. Delegate to elevate. I need that tattooed on me like today. (laughs) I love that. That's a great, that's a great line. I will be using that. Okay. Now that we've exhausted talking about operations and everything and delegation, I, the last thing I'd love to touch on with you is how you grew your co-hosting business. So I know you said that you and your husband got up to eight properties and that's when you started being approached by other owners who just, was this just purely organically? They noticed like, you're booked all the time. What are we doing wrong? Will you manage for us? Was there any marketing effort that you did? Well, we did not market. We had some friends uh, initially who also, well, let me back up and say we peer pressured them into buying real estate with us. (laughs) (laughs) So they started recognizing. Glad I'm not the only one. I I will like go to weddings and like see old friends from college and I'm like, yeah, so what are you doing with your portfolio? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's so fun. And this particular couple, I mean, they're our best friends. So they were in our wedding. We were in theirs. We travel every year together. And so one time we brought them down to Myrtle Beach. And I will never forget, it was the day after Thanksgiving. And we were sitting out on the beach and it was 80 degrees. Mm -hmm. And it was like, hey, you guys should do this too. (laughs) This is fun. So anyway, they were the first ones that started recognizing like, well, wait a minute. I'm with this other property manager and your calendar is way more full, right? So you hadn't even proposed like buy here and I'll manage it for you. That It was not like a business transaction at all. This was just purely, I want my friends to own next to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then they realized you're doing better. Can you yeah. do this for us? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then our, you know, I started developing relationships with just the realtors that I worked with in buying my properties and, you know, being a resource to them. And they started referring business to me and I've really grown organically. I've not done any marketing to the the general public at all. Mm -hmm. So all the properties now that you're managing, they're all Myrtle Beach. No. So I started, let's see here. Actually, a couple of years ago, I met Kenny Bedwell at the STR Wealth Conference. We were speaking both at the same at that conference, and he and I were like chatting it up one day backstage. And he was asking me where I was from. And I said, you know, I'm from Cincinnati. And long story short, he was like, Stacy, you have an amazing short-term rental market in your backyard. And I was like, Really? What is it? And he said, Logan, Ohio. Well, Logan, Ohio is in Hocking Hills, Ohio, which was just deemed as one of the 50 most beautiful places on earth. Mm -hmm. And 
it um, was something that really sparked my interest because at the time, again, we had leaned so heavily into the Myrtle Beach market, which we love. We will continue to lean heavily into there, but it's a very seasonal market, right? It is very much a, a, a summertime market, but shoulder seasons are, are spring and fall. And what I was looking to do was offset, you know, by this time I had a team, right? And I had hard costs to my business. So I was looking to find a a secondary market to invest in so that I could even out some of the revenue coming into my business. Mm -hmm. So we bought our first property in Hawking Hills in November of 2022. And I now host other properties in Hawking Hills, Ohio. We just bought a hundred acres of land in Hawking oh my Hills. Gosh, what are you so doing with it? We are building a resort. Oh, I'm so excited for you. This is like my dream. I just want to buy land and like put airstreams and glamp sites and tiny homes. Oh my God. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Thank you. Yeah. It's super duper fun. And so, you know, fast forward now we've opened up, I, I have opened up my co-hosting services to nationwide, but on a shared basis. So we will handle the Obviously, the guest concierge, all of the bookings, all of the revenue management, kind of that original model that yeah. I was telling you about, yeah. where the owner then would be in charge of sourcing their cleaners or sourcing their maintenance teams and still allowing them to have some control over their property, but not have to worry about the front end and the tech and dealing with guests. We do that. So it, I've really come full circle, quite honestly. But that's something a, that's, that's super a great fun. model. I think a lot of people who get into co-hosting, it's like they see the higher percentage they can charge by doing a full service. And so that's what they lean to. But I do think a lot of hosts still want to use it as a second home, want to learn the skills of like mm-hmm. self-management and everything. And that in between is just sometimes the exact amount of support you need. I really like that model a lot. So are you so you said nationwide? Do you have like a threshold of how many properties? you would need in a market to kind of make it worth your time to like learn the pricing strategies there or anything or just really one-off really. clients no. is fine. Yeah. One-off clients is fine. I think what is more important for me is that I have the right owners that I'm serving. Okay. So the reason I say that is because I'm very much a person that I want our guests to have the best experience possible. And If that owner is not equally as dedicated to quality and cleanliness, just like I didn't have the right fit with my property manager, I'm probably not going to be the best fit because Mm -hmm. I'm going to be asking that owner to make sure, again, that the property is ready for a guest to have a five-star stay. Mm -hmm. And so it's really the owners that I am more in tune with to make sure, okay, we need to make make certain that this is the right person who understands the hospitality and the level of quality we're looking to bring to guests. And if an owner is not as aligned or maybe doesn't really see the value in that, or is just like, I just want to find the cheapest cleaner possible. I don't really care how good of a job they do. Probably not the right fit, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so at this point with your, I know we talked about what comes to Stacy's desk, you're focusing most of your efforts. It seems like operations is 
pretty much on autopilot except for, you know, security walking in on your dad. <laughs> so besides that, you're mostly focused on growing the business at this time. And does this still include growing your own portfolio? Are you guys still purchasing or do you feel tapped out and really it's just co-hosting now? Yeah. Well, I have quite a large project in building this resort that I'm working on and I am spearheading that. I am raising capital for that. I am talking with the, you know, the site architects and local fire department and all that kind of fun stuff. So at the moment, I'm not purchasing any additional real estate because I feel like I I you know, bit off an elephant that I'm trying to chew up shall we say. But in the future, once the resort is done, I'll probably want to go do that again. (laughs) To wrap up, are you, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I did not know about this resort or these plans. Are you willing to share a little bit or tease like the vision for this place? Um, To talk about it. Okay. Tell us like about the land. Is it developed at all? Is this like wild, wild woods? Like what's going on here? It is a hundred acres of Wood, mostly wooded areas with some just amazing views. And there are some single family homes on the property that will not stay on the property. So they're vacant right now. They are vacant right now. Yep. And so what the vision is, and we've worked with a consultant that develops outdoor hospitality resorts around the country who has tremendous experience in building a res- building a set of resorts that really attracts people with different amenities. So this particular resort, we will have about 85 units on. We will have a swimming pool and lazy river and wedding venue and pickleball and a dog park and hot tubs and fire pits and oh, a restaurant. I'm so and- happy for you. A restaurant too? A restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is there like where it is, is there, is it like populated? Like, will it be easy to find staff to like support this project or is this like the middle of nowhere? It's kind of the middle of nowhere. <laughs> okay. So we will probably have a, a, a staffing approach that may be a little unique where we will leverage some of our team will be brought in from other countries and we will do a J1 program where, you know, you're bringing in people for three months at a time. They are cleaning for you and it's a work visa for them. It's a really cool model that allows you. Yeah. To not have to necessarily rely on only the local market because this is a very rural market and it's close enough where we can still draw from, you know, neighboring cities, but that will be our primary model for the operation of the day to day. Would those team members have to live on site or is there enough like housing around the resort that they would go there? Yeah, there's there's probably enough housing that they would go there. That is remain remains to be seen how that actually plays out, but that's the the overall operational model that that will approach from a staffing perspective. Okay. And then the 85 units, what kind will those just be like tiny homes, little cabins? Mm-hmm. Yep, they will be tiny homes, w- one bedroom with a loft. We will have some yurts. They will be, I will say, in pods, shall we say. Okay. So um, have like a row of seven mm-hmm. of them or yep. something. Yep. Okay. Okay. Oh my gosh, yep. this is incredible. How uh, long of like a build out are we talking here? 
girl. Um, it was, <laughs> I've been working on this project for almost a year now, and we will plan on hopefully breaking ground in the spring, and then it'll be a 12 to 18 month build. That's so quick. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. And so, you know, we're looking at middle to end of, of 2025. Oh my gosh, that's so quick. And what's the seasonality there? Like it's four seasons, right? It is four seasons. Hocking okay. Hills is a very year-round market. However, summer is still the peak season, but it is so gorgeous in the fall. It's just absolutely beautiful. And folks love to come for the holidays and get away. And even, you know, they're they're coming to visit in January and February in the cold because they can go and spend you know, two hours driving from Cincinnati or an hour driving from Columbus and just have an amazing getaway for the weekend with their family. So are you planning to have the entire resort done before you open or is the development done in a way where like you could do, you know, open 30 units here with a pool and then be working on the pickleball court and more units over here and at least be having some revenue? Yeah. The the initial approach is to have the entire resort done. And the reason why we've chosen that approach is for the guest experience. As you might imagine, when you've got, you know, tractors pushing dirt and yeah. noise and dust, you know, blowing up in the air, that may not make for the best guest experience. So the initial approach is to have the whole shebang done. Wow, this is so exciting. I did not know you had this on the way, but congratulations. That's huge and Thank very, you. very exciting. Um, will there be some sort of grand opening retreat? Oh, or girl, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I will save the dates for winter 2025. <laughs> and I will be making a trip out there. Stacy, thank you so much for sharing with us. Uh, you provide so much value and I just love the way that you teach and break things down and take complex, overwhelming things, but make them so simple and step-by-step. -step. So thank you for everything. And again, you guys, please do not miss your chance to attend the Short-Term Rental Virtual Summit for Women, January 23rd, 24th, and 25th. And if you do purchase your ticket by this Friday, the 19th, you will get $100 off. Yes. Anything and, else we want to promote, Stacey? And where can people connect with you? Best place is to find me through my website, stacystjohn.com, or I am on Facebook and Instagram. But let's just talk about the Level Up Your Listing Summit for a hot minute. You have a huge uh, summit coming up, and I am so excited to be there this year. I'm super pumped for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know it's coming up so quick as do all of these things, but yeah, we're excited to have you back and just, yeah, can't wait for another great year. So March 11th, 12th and 13th, and I'll drop in the show notes below also if you want to purchase a ticket to that. Love it. Thanks, Natalie. Thank you, Stacey. Bye. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole, we have a host who is disappointed in their cleaning team. And let's just read the post and see who's in the right and who's in the wrong. Right off the bat, the host posted on Facebook, I am over these Airbnb cleaners in North Carolina, unreliable and fresh. I don't know what fresh means. Right off the bat, I don't like this. Let's, we'll continue reading and see what the issue is with this person's particular cleaner. 
but that is not a reflection on all cleaners in North Carolina. Okay, so I, I don't like that, but let's continue. We just had our second set of cleaning company clean our house only twice. And this is the text she sends us after being sick for two weeks and bailing on us. Now this. What are your thoughts? All of these cleaners have some type of excuse. My car broke down. I have no power or gas, etc. And they ask for favors. Then this host attaches a screenshot of some text that they got from their cleaner. It looks like they were trying to schedule their cleaner for tonight. And the cleaner said, I will be up there tomorrow. I couldn't make it there today. An hour later, I have a question. Our power is off and I was going to see if it was possible if we could stay at your Airbnb tonight and that way I can clean tonight as well. My son is six and this day just got bad because it is snowing. So first, she wasn't going to be able to come. Now suddenly she can come and clean it tonight, but only if she's able to stay the night. Then this host said, update. I said, please stay the night and we will call it even for a cleaning. She then sent me a photo of a house with a tree fallen over. Okay, so implying that like her house, her tree fell over. And the host said, I reverse Googled the image and it was a photo from a snowstorm in Baltimore in 2023. And remember, this host, their property is in North Carolina. I then confronted her and she goes, oh my gosh, I don't see a picture. I never sent one. Okay, so how do we feel about this? Taking everything in, like I said, I don't like that right off the bat, this person's like, I'm over these Airbnb cleaners in North Carolina. Okay, sounds like this is the second cleaner they're on. So you've had two bad experiences, okay? Not every North Carolinan cleaner is bad. That being said, there are some red flags with this cleaning team. She said that she's only cleaned for her twice so far and then bailed on her for the last two weeks, claiming she was sick. Maybe she was, but still that makes me uncomfortable because you're not going to be able to have a cleaner like that long term. If she gets sick or injured again, if she doesn't have another backup under her that she could send, then she's not the right cleaner for you. So that already is kind of sketchy to me. Now, we have done favors like this for our cleaners in the past. If we've had unbooked nights, we have let our cleaners stay there. We've been very, very helpful. I have even paid advances to my cleaners. If they needed extra money for something or for bills, we have paid advances and then credited the next like three or four or five cleanings that they owed us. So we've we've been flexible and we've done things like this. They were with us for a year before we even enter entertained anything like that. Like you have to build up that loyalty. The fact that this woman has cleaned for her two times, then had a two-week track record of bailing and not being able to send a backup in her place, just leaving the host high and dry, and now bails on her again and says, hey, I'm actually not going to make it today. I'll come tomorrow. And then says, oh, actually, I will come and clean it tonight, but only if you let me stay because of my poor six-year-old. There's a lot of emotional manipulation going here. And frankly, this cleaner has not earned the right to pull those strings, in my opinion. I know on a human level, we feel bad for her and the six-year-old kid, but there are a lot of red flags here. Now, finally, let's get to the picture. This cleaner sent a picture of a tree fallen over on a house in a snowstorm. No caption, no text or anything, just sends the picture. What does that imply? She's implying that the tree fell on her house, right? And this host, I don't even know how they thought of this idea. I would never think to do this. This host reverse Google image that photo and found that this was from a 2023 snowstorm in Baltimore. Not even in North Carolina where they are. And when she called the cleaner out, the cleaner said, what? I never sent a photo. So why did a photo come from your 
phone number to this host all around i i would not i would not let this woman in my home i would change the code whatever code you were giving her to clean change it and just say hey never mind you know we'll figure it out in time for tomorrow and find a different cleaner that that picture is the final straw to me i did see a lot of comments that were like come on like she's got a 6 year old kid this woman knows what to say to invoke that empathy and i would have almost almost caved at that point the picture took it too far the picture of the snowstorm that's not even her house her state the right year i mean come on if you're going to tell this bold face of a lie like at least at least be good at it if you're going to lie be a good liar right like that's the bare minimum i i think the cleaner is the airbnb hole here there's a lot of comments that are saying come on like Where's your empathy? Help her out. The night is unbooked. You may as well let her stay. You need the place clean. Just let her do it. There's a lot of comments like that. But this is one of those situations where if she does let a pass on this, it's only going to escalate. This woman has only cleaned for her two times and then had a track record of bailing for two weeks. If she now on the third clean does this kind of a favor for her and just lets her stay while blatantly knowing that she's lying to her about this photo, lets her stay. She is setting herself up for, I mean, just months, years of manipulation and red flag tactics from this cleaner. Like you have to set these expectations in the beginning. Again, we have done favors like this for our cleaning team after about a year of them working for us. Like they had to earn that right for us to be able to trust them and be willing to do favors like that and pay advances and let them stay at our place. This is your investment. You own this property. You cannot just be letting any stranger who's clean for you two times pull on your heartstrings and stay there. That's that's not enough. That's not enough. This cleaner, you know, maybe maybe we feel bad for her. Maybe she really is in a tricky situation, but she pushed it too far with the lie from that photo. She is the Airbnb hole here, and I am on the host side. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one, though, because the comments, a lot of them said that this host was being way too harsh and she needs to show some empathy to this woman and her six-year-old. I disagree, but I'd love to know where you weigh in. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye!